but yeah, I, I think they're same, same, but different and uh, are poised to win this division. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 183 of the podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne with you for this one. And uh, this is the last of our division preseason rankings. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Atlantic Division, of course, uh, to wrap things up in this episode. So uh, looking forward to that. And uh, of course, we were all together this past weekend in Toronto. That was a great time. And it's great to uh, be chatting with you guys uh, this evening. How we doing? Yeah, great time in the big smoke with you guys this weekend. Although my front nine was certainly lacking, I pulled it together in the back nine. Um, I'm still feeling it. I I don't think I've had a good sleep since Thursday. I've just been in that state of I, I know I need to catch up so I can't fall asleep. And it's just a snowball effect from there. So I might be a little delirious this episode. And, you know, maybe I can rile up some more ridiculous comments. <laughs> telltale sign that we're getting old is that case you and i are both still feeling it today the effects of not sleeping and and having a few beverages over the weekend and it's tuesday like this is this is the telltale sign that the boys are getting old but what a weekend it was i was the opposite of you case my front nine was decent my back nine not so much but it was a great time and uh boys we are inching closer and closer to regular season hockey the preseason has started we watched a game uh, at mine of course a couple of them and harper missed that beautiful goal by logan cooley oh. uh, he fell asleep for that one but what an incredible goal i'm so excited for this season i was just telling harper uh before we we started here that i'm going to a game on monday the first preseason game uh that i have been to in in a while so i'm I'm looking forward to that the leafs are playing montreal so yeah we're just inching closer to the regular season and i couldn't be more excited yeah, absolutely. Great uh, great time with you guys, and uh, I'm definitely feeling the uh, the sleep deprivation, the effects from that, for sure. Um, even though it's it's Tuesday, and, and, you know, we got back from Toronto on Sunday and saw this uh, this meme on, uh, on Facebook the other day that I think completely, like, you know, fits with us, and it's like, I miss the age when I didn't have to wake up and you know, I didn't make sound effects when I woke up and I feel like that applies to us. So anyway, but it was, uh, it was a great time and, uh, certainly looking forward to getting some rest here as the week goes on. But, uh, anyway, before we get into the Atlantic division here, which is, which is always a fun one for us to wrap up our, um, preseason rankings for, uh, for all four NHL divisions, Chad, you've got another, uh, little game for us. So let's get to that. Yes, a little mini game, and we still don't have a name for this segment, but this is what we do every week. We play a bit of a different mini game just to to have some fun and loosen up before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. So this week, it's King of the Hill, okay? What I'm going to do is name a player and then a second player, and you tell me which is better. The winner of that, the player that you think is better, will stay. I'll introduce another player into the mix and you tell me who you think is better i'm going to start with casey then i'm going to go to harper okay and then back to casey back to harper i have six players how does that sound guys following along with the the rules here sounds good 
Okay, so King of the Hill, first player, going to Casey, Jason Robertson, okay, or Kirill Kaprizov? Uh, I'm going to go with Jason Robertson. I think he's got, you know, he, he has that youth. I think it's already a discussion between these two and the fact that he's just going to get better with his age. Uh, I'm going to go with Jason Robertson. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year this year. That's a good pick. And I actually think in the newest EA NHL rankings, Jason Robertson was ranked ahead of Kirill Kaprizov. So there you go. Following EA, they got something right. So uh, I feel like what I just said is wrong. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> might have to flip it. Uh, okay, Harper. Jason Robertson or Jack Hughes? Oh, geez, that's a good one. I'm going to go with jack hughes because i feel like he like with his team and the position that you know being that premier position down the middle and everything i just feel like he is so much more important to his team and is more at the center of attention when it comes to the role with with his team with with uh, casey's new jersey devils i feel like you know, Robertson is obviously one of the stars on the Dallas Stars, but, you know, can be overshadowed at times by guys like Rupe Hintz and Miro Haskinen, of course. So I will go with Jack Hughes. I think that's a good answer. I purposely made all six of these players relatively close in, in terms of where I value them, at least. So I, I wanted to make it difficult on you guys, make some difficult decisions. Okay, going to Casey again. Jack Hughes now, who is the king of the hill, or Mitch Marner? Oh, man. Um, that's that's pretty tough. <clears throat> They're pretty similar last year in stats, obviously, both 99 points. Uh, I think Jack is going to continually to get continue to get better and will definitely be the better player at the end of the day. And right now, it's very close, so I got to go with something that you know makes the difference i'm gonna say that jack hughes is a gamer and i think jack hughes is the better player for that reason okay i was interested to hear the argument i think i would also probably go with jack hughes but i was interested to hear that that's a good pick okay so staying on the top is jack hughes going to harper jack hughes or david posternock well, I mean, Pasternak had a had a huge year last year. Of course, he was going into a contract year. He ended up getting that big extension with uh, with the Boston Bruins. And oh man, see if Pasta was a center, that would that would really do it for me because centers are, are so important but goal scorers are also important and I feel like Pasta could very well go out and, and get 60 goals again but you know what I'll, I'll stick with Jack Hughes and that that premier position and uh, and again just you know he is so important for them as that number one franchise center uh, in New Jersey and whereas you know in in uh, in Boston you've got Charlie McAvoy You've got Brad Marchand, and uh, and who knows? I mean, what Pasta is, is going to be able to do this coming season with them depleted a little bit depth-wise. So I'll stick with Hughes, man. Both on my fantasy team, so that makes me feel good. There you go. Yeah, Harp, good argument. Definitely no other weapons in New Jersey. So that, that's yeah, no. an ironclad <laughs> argument there. Uh, okay, Casey, last one here. And speaking of premier number one centers in the league, Jack Hughes or 
Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> okay. I, I would love, I can't wait for the day or I hope the day comes that I can say Jack Hughes is better than Nathan McKinnon, but it's not today. Yeah, fair enough. No. I had to give you a, a difficult one at the end, but that wraps it up, boys. That's King of the Hill. This is one of uh, the games that I think I've enjoyed the most, to be honest, because it forces you to think about why you think a player is better than another yeah. one. So like that's that. King of the Hill, boys. Yeah, that was uh, that was great. One guy who I thought was going to be featured in that was Elias Patterson, and that would have made things really interesting. Very true. With him heading into a uh, a contract here, but anyway, that was uh, that was great. So let's uh, let's get into this episode, boys. And uh, this is always a fun one for us. We've always wrapped up our preseason division rankings with this division, and of course, that is the Atlantic. And uh, starting at uh, at the number one spot, Case, what do you got? Let's get right into it here. What's up, guys? Thanks for making it this far into the podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to let you know that we're still doing a limited time merch drop over on boysinthebooth.com slash shop. We're selling t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, crew necks, sweatshorts, slides, you name it. We're selling it at boysinthebooth.com. So head over there and check it out when you can. Every single purchase allows us to improve the quality of our podcasts going forward. Plus, you get to wear some awesome gear too and support the boys. So we'd really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. There's plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BOYS underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code BOYS underscore in underscore the underscore booth. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Yeah, it's funny. You might be able to put like the subheader of this episode as I could be convinced because you could convince me on every position in this division except for maybe one and eight and number one I do have Chad's Toronto Maple Leafs um, winning this division and I think easily I think that this team is even better than they were last year when I look at the offense of this team there's not much I need to say obviously they have the stars on this team if Matthews can have a bounce back year on what is still a great season last year you know that's obviously going to help this team marner is still going to be gunning for that 100 point mark uh willie nylander's looking for a contract so he's going to be flying out there Tavares is still going to have 40 goals all on the power play so obviously they have the stardom here but this team got even deeper when it comes to scoring i think that all the guys they lost in the or the offseason they've improved with who they brought in. They brought in Bertuzzi and Domi, who I think are both improvements on a curve foot and a bunting. So I think this team's got the depth scoring and obviously the stardom. So goals isn't going to be the problem. And on the back end, I've really grown 
to love this top pair of Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. I think TJ Brody is a better defensive defenseman than I have given credit in the past. I was kind of hard on him when he first came to Toronto, but I've really grown to like him. And then the depth of this team has gotten even stronger on defense. You know, McCabe and the addition of Klingberg, who is an upgrade on Hull, obviously. And the the pair of Giordano and Timothy Lilligrand was one of the best at times last season. So defense they've got it all and then goaltending samsonov he showed us that he is a true starting goalie last year and then wool stepped up when they really needed him both in the backup role in the regular season as well as in the playoffs so goaltending is not the question mark it was last year for me i don't really have any questions about this team they've got the grit now so uh you can shut up all those grit loving leafs fans if it doesn't work this season new gm they have nothing to complain about so Let's see who's going to be the, uh, you know, the fall guy this year if they aren't good. But I think this team's going to win this division. Yeah, someone's uncle and many of our uncles actually are pumped that the Maple Leafs got some grit in their lineup so they can stop harping on Kyle Dubas as the GM. They've got Brad Tree Living who loves grit, sandpaper, snot, piss, and vinegar, and that's his quote directly. So um, <laughs> he'll tell you how it is, and he did. Uh, but yeah, Case, I also have the Maple Leafs at number one. Surprise, surprise. We picked them to finish first in this division last year. They got 111 points. Usually that would be enough to win a division, but the Boston Bruins had 135. So I don't think any of us are anticipating 135 points out of the Bruins this year again. So I think we can safely say that Toronto's it's their division to lose. Um, For all the reasons you mentioned, I think this year they're probably going to score more, but they might get scored on a little bit more as well. And I dug into a, a few numbers on that topic because I truly believe that now that's how they're structured to play, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just different. Um, last season, they were eighth in expected goals for and ninth in expected goals against in the entire league in all situations. This year, if I were to predict where they'll finish in both of those categories, I would say top five in expected goals for and maybe between 10th and 15th in expected goals against. So I think they got a little bit better offensively and a little bit worse defensively. But I think that at the end of the day, they probably shake out to finish in and around 110 points, uh, and they had 111 last year. So that's my prediction. They're basically the same team. They're a little bit different on the periphery. I like how they added some guys who who can play and, and bring a different element like Bertuzzi and Domi. I like how this season they're going to be able to have some younger players on cheap contracts for the full season, hopefully, like Matthew Nyes, like Nick Robertson, who had a great preseason last year and hopefully has a similar preseason this year. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're... Same, same, but different and uh, are poised to win this division. Harper, what do you think? Well, great regular season team. I mean, you look at uh, the last five years and they've been one of the best regular season teams in, in the NHL through and through. So there's no question about that. Obviously, the questions are going to come up with this team when we get to the playoffs 
uh, next year. But um, but no, I, I mean, looking at these guys coming in, I, I like what Tree Living has done in his first off season, adding uh, you know all those great terms that that we've heard being uh, tossed around uh, this off season. Uh, you know, you've got Bertuzzi in a contract year, Max Domi. I think he could come out like a house on fire. It, it obviously means a lot to him clearly to to come to Toronto and and be a Maple Leaf and John Klingberg you know that he's motivated to have a bounce back year after just a disastrous year last year starting out with Anaheim and then going to Minnesota at the deadline and and all the question marks around him William Nylander with with him being in a contract year like Case mentioned and then all the other depth pieces that they're already there that have been brought in by Kyle Dubas but uh, you knew that there needed to be a shakeup with this team it started at the top um, and and I think that their general manager that Brad Tree Living is, is extremely motivated uh, for this team to to be a success after what he went through in Calgary and uh, and so I, I like what he's done and uh, you mentioned you know a few guys that are coming in and they're on, you know, some cheap contracts. Matthew Nyes, who really showed something in the playoffs. Joseph Wool, same thing. And just looking at this team future-wise a little bit, Easton Cowan, you might have something with, with him as well, who... Chad, you and I were talking a, a little bit about today and in, in our DMs and is going to stick with uh, with with the NHL roster for the time being. So, I mean, that's a little bit down the road probably, but, um, you know, there are some intriguing pieces there and you mentioned Nick Robertson and can he bounce back and stay healthy? But no, for the most part, this team is the same. They're excellent in the regular season. That's not going to change and, and I have them at number one in this division. Yeah, I, I think it just makes sense. After this, though, after number one, I'm very much with Casey. I could be convinced between two and seven. Like, truly, I, I'm not sold on any of these teams making the playoffs or missing the playoffs. It is truly going to be a bloodbath in the Atlantic. And I think that's why this division over the last few years has been so exciting to watch because we knew this time was going to come where some teams are dropping back a little bit and some teams are getting better and finally they were going to meet somewhere in the middle and i think this is the season where we're going to see all out total war in this division so let's get into that then yeah absolutely let's get to this number two spot case who you got yeah again here's where i can be convinced but after being hard on their offseason, I still have the Tampa Bay Lightning coming second in this division. Um, it's a team that I'm I'm very scared to speak ill of because they're just so consistently good the last five years or more. And I don't know, when I look at this team, I, I just see the stardom and it's enough to push this team over the top of many teams in this division. And, you know, maybe you know maybe they took a hit to the depth of this team but they still have Stamkos and Point and Kucherov um Hedman and Sergachev and Vasilevsky like that stardom is enough to put this team in second in this division in my opinion when you look at the back end it was negligible change and Hedman's still the star on this team but Sergachev 
definitely show that he can be that guy in the years to come. You know, maybe as time catches up with Hedman, he's still not that old. So I'm saying, you know, three or four years down the road. And sure, Chernak may be a guy that we'll say is overpaid, but he is great defensively and hard to play against and just rounds out the top four of this team so well. And then in that, Vasilevsky, he may have shown a little bit of weakness for the first time in his career in the playoffs last year, but he was still Mr. Consistency in the regular season. He had a great stat line for 60 games last year, and he's enough to keep them near the top of the division once again. So I still believe in this team, despite you know a, a hit to the depth, losing guys like Kalorn and Colton and Perry, Maroon, Bellamar, but you know, stardom, man, this team's good. Yeah, so I obviously had a difficult time with this division, and I landed on another team finishing in the number two spot, and I had Tampa Bay in the number four spot, actually, um, because I really think there's going to be a lot of change in this division, and I didn't just want to run back the same standings as last year aside from one or two outliers so i went a bit off the board with a different team at number two but i'll speak to tampa bay uh right now and the reason that i had them at the number four spot still making the playoffs mind you and that would mean in my division they would likely play the maple leafs again in the first round one versus four depending on which wildcard spot they get but i have tampa bay in that four spot just because i think up front Losing a bit of depth isn't the biggest problem. You know, losing a player like Corey Perry or Pat Maroon, while they're energy guys and important players to that team, I don't think their product on the ice is necessarily that good in the first place. I think they bring intangibles that are important, but in terms of actually scoring goals and making plays, I didn't think that they were that good in the first place. I think the problem for this team, and I've been saying this over the last couple seasons, is the back end. You know, you have your Hedman, you have your Sergachev, and you have your um, Chernak. But then after that, the drop-off to me is significant. You've got Perbix, Bogo, Hayden Fleury, Radish, and Dahan, And all of those guys are fine. All five of those players are fine. But when you just think about the fact that three of those players are going to have to be in the lineup every single night... I think that back end just doesn't look scary at all. And then what happens if one of those top three guys gets injured? Then you have four of those five, you know, call them maybe bottom pairing defensemen in your lineup at all times. I think at the deadline, they'll probably address this and get better. But just in terms of getting out to a hot start, I just don't know if I see it because this team already gives up a ton on the defensive side last year they were in the bottom half of the league in terms of expected goals against and vasilevsky was good but not great so i just don't know if i see tampa bay being able to replicate the seasons that they've had in the past without a blue line that looks as good as it once did so that was my main concern with tampa bay i kind of i don't know i disagree only because of perbix he is a samuelson on Buffalo. He's a he Jan Ruda of the past in Tampa Bay, where he just works with their top defenseman. And sometimes that's all you need. You need the guy that just works with your star. And really anyone could work with Victor Hedman at times, but Perbix is fit like a glove on that pairing last year, just as a Samuelson fix with Dalene. So I don't know. I think that the top four has 
no problem at all. It's a very strong top four. I can see the arguments about the bottom pair, but I think they've got enough rotation there that if one guy starts to slip, you, could, you know, it's next man up. And I'm not too worried about the back end of this team, especially if they can still score like they used to. Well, and maybe that's the case, right? Maybe they have so many guys who are pushing for those bottom two or three spots where you know, it creates that good internal competition and guys are playing out of their minds to, to keep their spot. Maybe that's the case. Also, though, something we didn't mention, what about the games when Vasilevsky isn't in net? I know that Brian Elliott wasn't incredible over the last couple of years or Curtis McElhaney before that, but this year going into the season right now, they have Jonas Johansson as their backup goalie, and I don't know if I trust him at all. So I just my my counter to that is Vasilevsky's the only goalie we've said on this podcast is trusted to be consistent. He's he played 60 games last year, was eighth or ninth in goals save about expected, had a 919 save percentage and a moderately high goals against average for himself. But he was still consistent in the regular season. And I think he, you know, with Johansson as his backup, he's still going to play close to 70 games and be, you know, Vasilevsky. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, listen, Vasilevsky is one of the only goalies in the league who we've always said we feel confident in paying. We feel confident in starting 60 plus games. I just wonder about those 20 to 25 games. Probably not 25. I wonder about the 15 to 20 games that Johansson gets. I just have no trust in the guy. I don't know him at all. I know that he was called the worst goalie to play in the NHL by a reporter a couple of years ago. I think that's a bit harsh, but wow. but just, it, I don't know. I don't like the back end. It's not as formidable as it once was. That's why I had them at four. But like I said, I could be convinced either way. It's not like I have ironclad arguments for the number two and three spot. I just feel like when I look at Tampa Bay, and it did kind of show in the playoffs against the Maple Leafs as well, as soon as one defenseman went out, that blue line just was in shambles. You had, you know, Sergachev having to play 28 minutes a night and and Chernak doing the same thing. And I don't know, like they're still very good. And I think Sergachev actually might be more impactful on this blue line than even Hedman now because Sergachev is just so dynamic and mm-hmm. has taken such a leap over the last couple of years. But I just think three to six isn't very scary. What about Hugo Anelfeld when, when you're looking at Nat? Do you think that he can... Maybe, maybe he's a guy like he, he's a guy with with little NHL experience, if any. I'm not sure if he's played any games, but I know he's an, he's a prospect and he's up and coming. So maybe I just I don't know. I mean, it's better than the worst goalie to ever play in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a ridiculous comment. <laughs> I know. I, I need to look up who said that quote because it was like everyone got on that that reporter and just said like that was a terrible thing to say when i think that was when he was in colorado but anyway harper what are your thoughts on the on this whole debate here well i you know i i've i I side with case on this one for the most part like i've got i've got tampa in the number two spot the biggest thing for me is you know number one not only is the fact that uh that there's still so much star power on this team that those core guys are still there, even though they've lost a bit of the depth, like like Case mentioned. Um, even though you know adding a, a guy like Con- uh, Connor Sherry in, in your bottom six is is a nice add, but um, look like this is the first time in 
the last three years that this team has been able to have a full offseason of rest. And I don't think that we can discount that at all. That, you know, I'm and really encourages me with with this team that uh, that this is the first time in the last three years that they've got a full off season of rest and and um, and and that's that, that could be very scary you know the fact that uh, that they're energized and coming in fresh and everything and but uh, but there are some question marks certainly um, the back end doesn't concern me as much what concerns me is what is the relationship with their captain Steven Stamco is going to be like moving forward is this going to be a, uh, a, distra- a distraction or cause a bit of a riff um, in the organization I would like to think that it wouldn't and that something would would get figured out sooner rather than later just with the kind of guy that Stamkos is off the ice and and the kind of player that he is but uh, but again just looking at the on ice product uh, uh, product of this team you know full off season of rest for the first time in a long time and those core guys still being there and one of the best goaltenders on the planet if not the best goaltender on the planet um, has me very encouraged um, to to pick Tampa Bay in, in the second spot in this division Fair enough. And I, I want to be clear too. me putting Tampa Bay at four is m- not me saying that I think the team is bad. I just think there's bound to be some change in this division and some other teams have either gotten much better or or also kind of just figured it out. So that's why I well, have Tampa at four. I initially had a different team at number two and made a change. So I, I hear I hear your argument, but I, I still think that Tampa is number two. OK, so we'll go with that. Who do you have at three then, Case? I wonder yeah. if we uh, agree on this. Number three, keeping it in the same state, the Florida Panthers. I mean, we saw what they did in the playoffs. Obviously, they weren't the regular season team of last year or two years ago. You know, they were. But when I look at this team, you know, despite being a last second playoff odd or ad and then going to the finals, uh, this team outscored the likes of Dallas. Tampa, Toronto, Colorado, LA, to name a few. And I think that the replacement of Duclair by Rodriguez and the continued growth of some of their younger guys like Lusta Ryanen and Lundell and Dennis Sanko, I think that they're going to be right up there again in terms of scoring, especially if Matthew can chuck and continue to have a monster year like last year. And then those kind of role-playing star players, whatever category they fit in of Verhage and Reinhardt. Like, there's a, a lot of goals to be scored on this team. And when I look at the back end, I think they've done an admirable job at filling the holes that injuries have caused in the back end. Um, you know, a lot of ads on the back end and Kulikov and, and Mikola and Mike Riley and OEL, who had three apples in the preseason game last night. Um, they did a great job trying to plug the holes, but their two best defensemen are going to be missed until mid-December, and that's potentially 30, 30-plus 30 games. Their 30-game mark is December 16th. 30 games without the likes of Ekblad and Montour is going to significantly hurt this team at the beginning of the year, and that's why I knocked them down one spot. The only thing that stopped me from knocking them down 
two spots is the resiliency that they showed in the playoffs last year. And just knowing that that's within this team, they're obviously going to find ways to win enough games to get the third spot in this division early on in this season. Wow. I did not know that those two injuries were until mid-December. That is... That news came out recently, and that's why I've waited so long to put my keepers in because I have Montour, and it would be like a 16th round pick for me to keep him. Wait, so are you keeping Montour in in the 16th round? No. 15th round, but no, I'm not. Really? Even though, I mean, like in fantasy, it's kind of, you only need them for the playoffs. Seriously? You're not? Yeah, I just. Whatever. Yeah. I've got my, I've got other guys to keep. Uh, don't, man. All right, that's fine. I'll pick I'll pick them in the thirteenth round. Then case I'll beat you to it. Yeah, I'll pick them in the twelfth. <laughs> oh no! Uh, speaking of, I have a fantasy draft tonight for my other league. I'm really excited for, and then our draft on Sunday. Oh, I can't wait to get into fantasy hockey. But yep. yeah, talking about Florida, that is the team I had in the number two spot. I didn't know that injury news, so that would have been important for me to look up before doing my rankings. I think I would have maybe bumped them down and that would have changed my entire rankings. But when I look at this team up front, like you mentioned, they replaced Duclair with Erod and they're deep, deep, deep. Like this team up <laughs> yeah. front is the same but different slightly and that's going to be all right think back to the start of last season when matt kachuk was just coming in they were still trying to work on how to figure that whole system out with matt kachuk as the go-to guy and as the season went on they eventually did figure it out the main problem was that they didn't have goaltending like all year you know you can talk about and we have about how their defense hasn't been very good in the past especially without those two big name players but goaltending was a big problem for them last season so i don't expect it to be as bad this year um on the back end you're losing gudis but you replace him with more offense in in oel and i think that will be the best thing for oel's career being put into position especially for those first few months of the season where he feels like he's important again and he's playing big minutes again. And I think that'll be great for his confidence and for his production too, being a go-to guy. And speaking of fantasy, that might be a player. I don't know who's going to quarterback their power play, but for the first couple months, that might be a guy who does it. So could be important for the first couple months of fantasy. Um, and then on the back end, I alluded to it. Bobrovsky, all of a sudden, towards the end of the year, became the $10 million player that he is. I don't know if I'm banking on that throughout the entire season again, um, but we weren't banking on Alex Lyon coming in and winning like 20 straight games to get them into the playoffs either. So this year they have Spencer Knight back full time after spending some time in the uh, NHL's player assistance program. I hope so he I, comes back stronger. Like, really yeah, and, and I think that tandem now will be even better than any goaltending they had at the end of last season because it'll, it'll be a true tandem of two very capable guys. So I'm looking forward to that. That's why I had Florida at two. That's, I guess, where I will keep them. But if I knew that injury stuff at the start, I might have moved them down. But number two sounds about, or, or number three rather, so, sounds about right behind Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that solidifies our rankings. I think you're going to say the same thing, so... 
Absolutely. No, that's uh, that's exactly it. I, I had the Panthers at number three, and, and that's the best spot for them. I think this is a huge year for Spencer Knight, but, um, you know, confident in, in him, uh, you know, and, and his talents and being a young guy still and just coming back fresh and, and uh, having that motivation to to get going again and and prove that he is the real deal after being a uh, after being a first round pick a few years back and and um, you know Sergey Bobrovsky I think that uh, he'll be motivated to continue what was some unbelievable play from him in uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, you know again like Case you said it it's a resilient group and it's it's next man up. You've got a healthy Matthew Kachuk coming in who, again, is I think is going to come out like a house on fire and has established himself as one of the elite players in this league and can go out and, and get 100 points every year. I wouldn't be surprised if that is what Matthew Kachuk is moving forward. And so you may look at this team and and think that oh there's not a lot of depth here or whatever but that they are a resilient group and and uh they can certainly score a lot of goals maturation from guys like Lundell and Lusterinen who got an extension in the summer a change of scenery for OEL which I think is going to be huge for him you guys know that I've been a uh, a big um you know advocate for a guy like Gustav Forsling I don't think that he gives enough credit Mikola is a monster as well so you lose a guy like Gudis, but Mikola uh, certainly is uh, is aggressive back there and you're going to miss Montour and Ekblad certainly, but who knows if Montour is going to be able to to have a, a 73 point season again. You know, he's a fantastic defenseman, but who knows if he's able to have a year like that again and you know what you're missing in Ekblad and certainly that's, that's too bad, but I just think that this team is going to just carry over that momentum and that resiliency and that work ethic from what was an incredible run to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, this past year, and and I've got them at number three in this division. Now, here's where it gets incredibly tricky, and no matter who you pick for the number four, five, and six spot, someone's going to be upset, so let's get into that. That's yeah. right. I put three names in a hat and pulled one out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know who I have in the number four spot, but Case, take it away. Well, buddy, I think we're going to agree on who we have in the four spot because I did pick the Buffalo Sabres mm-hmm. at number four in this division, taking a big step. They just missed out on the playoffs last year, but this team scored a ton of goals last year. And the only real change to the offseason in the offseason is that they're a year older. All these players are going to be that much better this year. And it's going to be fun to watch, Harper. Get ready for lots of goals. Uh, you know, defense was where they struggled last year. We already know that this team has a great top three, but it was the rest that, that hurt. But they've done a, a good job going out and grabbing some guys and Clifton and Eric Johnson who you know he's not the first overall pick that he should be but he's still a good depth guy to have in that locker room as well um and goaltending I'm not personally quite convinced on a Levi UPL tandem but 
there's a ton of guys out there that are so extremely high on Devin Levi. And with the story he's had so far in his career, I'd love to be convinced this season. Keep that theme going of convincing Casey. Um, especially with this team's team defense and goaltending struggles of last year, they couldn't keep the puck out of the net. Despite being third in the, the, the whole season of goals, they were a minus four goal differential. <laughs> So they've got to figure out the team defense. I think they they had some good ads on the back end, and maybe Devin Levi can be the guy to really push these guys over the top and get them in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I also have Buffalo in that spot. So here we go. It's surprising that we disagreed early, but now we might just, you know, wrap it off here and, and name some teams that we agree on. But Buffalo, for me, it was very simple. They missed the playoffs by a point last year. They got older, like Casey mentioned. And I don't think it's possible to have goaltending as bad next year. I know that they had a similar tandem. They had UPL playing. They had Comrie playing. But they also had Craig Anderson, who I think was the best of of the three. But now those two goalies are a year older. I'm thinking mostly of UPL, who is still considered a prospect in my mind, and bringing in Devin Levi. I just don't see them being in the bottom third of goal saved above expected, which they were last year, collectively amongst all the guys who played. Um, On the back end, I kind of like how they have the top four set up, how it is similar to a Tampa case, like you were mentioning, how they have a stud and an anchor, a stud and an anchor. And of course, the two studs are Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. So I, I, I like that structure. That being said, I don't think the defense is very good outside of those two anchors, if I'm being completely honest. I think, you know, like Ottawa's is probably better. Florida's arguably, but it's it's, but it's good. better than last year. It's better than last year, and they missed by one point. Yeah. So all of that being said, that's why I have them making the playoffs in that number four spot. That's where we are, right? We had Toronto, Tampa, Florida, and then Buffalo in the number four spot. Well, surprise, surprise. I'm going to agree with you guys, and and I've got got the Sabres in in the number four spot. And, you know, not – not a whole lot more I, I can really say. Um, the, just the the growth and the step forward that this team took last season, I, I think it surprised a lot of people. I certainly didn't expect them to be one point out of a playoff spot, but uh, but you know that's that's what they did. And and so a couple of things that are going to be you know keys to success for this team. Number one getting off to a good start and maintaining it, not taking that <laughs> dump that they do every year in November. Year. And it, it, exactly, they get off to a great start and then November hits eight game losing streak. Well, guess what? That's what happened last year. And then they had another eight game losing streak. And so if it weren't for those 16 games that they lost right there, those two eight-game losing streaks, and then an incredible run in the final stretch of the season to make it close and try and have that last-ditch effort to try to get in. If it weren't for those two losing streaks, maybe they would have gotten into the playoffs, no problem. And so that's that's number one. And then number two, it's uh, it's better play on the defensive side of the puck, obviously. And so, you know, adding guys like Clifton 
and Johnson. They're not world beaters, but I think they're just they're good guys that have been added in to stabilize things. And, you know, Chad, I, I totally get some of your concerns with the back end, but I think a player like Matias Samuelson doesn't get enough credit as well when he is out of the lineup and, and when he was injured and out of the lineup last year, you, uh, you, you could really get a sense that that blue line was out of sorts. And, you know, you talk about Dowling and Power, another year older, um, you know, Power coming off a 35-point season. I think that that point total is going to continue to go up. Dowling will be right in the Norris conversation, no doubt about that. And then we know that this team can score goals. Even with Jack Quinn out of the lineup for a significant amount of time to start the season, I mean, pick a guy to insert into that top six. Victor Olofsson, say what you want about him. Bit of a uh, perimeter player, power play, trigger man. But the guy had 28 goals last year. You know, Yuri Kulik lit it up in, in Rochester last year. You know, does Jordan Greenway get a look in the top six? And so pick a guy to to, to put in there. But, um, you know, it, it's just it's another year where everybody's older. I think that Devin Levi, just his demeanor, the way that he plays the game, he's so calm, and and uh, and what he's achieved already in his young career as a seventh round draft pick, it's only going to get better. So just the the culture, the growth, the way that they've built things, they they're doing it the right way. Finally, you see the path for this team, and you know, Case, I look at my Sabers and. They're very similar to your Devils, I think, in my mind. The Devils last year took that step forward. They got into the playoffs. They won around Stanley Cup contender. I see a very similar path for the Sabres where this year, at least we're hoping, make the playoffs, take that step, maybe win a round or two or get close to it. Then the the next year, the year after, Stanley Cup contender. So that's what I see for this team moving forward. Extremely proud of the direction that they're going in. Definitely have them in this fourth spot. Glad you guys do as well. It's funny that you mentioned the New Jersey Devils of last year because that's exactly what Craig Button said on TSN about the Ottawa Senators of this year. He said he thought they could be the New Jersey Devils of last year. Meaning Craig a Button team- said that? Craig Button said that. Which Maybe I, I should move Ottawa down then. Never mind. <laughs> I don't often agree with, with things that Craig Button says because usually he's, he just yells at me and I don't like being yelled at. And, <laughs> and that's just his demeanor. But th- this was, uh, I think, a good take. And I think Buffalo is another close comparison too. And honestly, Detroit could even be that team. A team, I mean, personally, I don't think they're going to be very good. But at the same time, no one thought that New Jersey was going to be very good last season, and they just dominated the Metro Division. So there, I think there are some structural similarities between all of those teams I just mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see which team in this Atlantic Division is the New Jersey of the Metro last year. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, you know, it really between Buffalo, Ottawa and Detroit, I, I don't see either. I, I think we're all in agreement here. We don't see either one of those teams coming out and having 50 wins and finishing near the top of the division. I mean, who knows? Like it, it could be a surprise and it could happen. Don't see that. But but just in terms of the, the step forward and the build and the direction. Yeah, absolutely. It could be 
um, any one of these three teams. But uh, that's where it gets tricky because they're all kind of right there, those three trying to break up that quartet of, of teams that have dominated this division for so long. So let's get to that number five spot, Case. Wow. I can't wait to be proven wrong by the Boston Bruins and also get dumped on by all their fans, especially the SoundCloud cloud rappers of Boston. <laughs> We're going to get absolutely ripped apart by them. But yeah, I'm actually agreeing with Craig Button and I have the Ottawa Senders in the five spot. I think this team is really coming together and I think we're going to see a large increase of goals this season with, you know, Timmy Stoop, Brady, Batherson, Pinto all taking another step. Plus, hopefully a healthy Josh Norris. That would be huge for this team. And the added depth scoring of Tarasenko and Kubalik. Haven't even mentioned Claude Giroux yet. And really, Greg or Grieg, not sure, um, who has looked really good at times at the the small amount of time he got last year and then in, including this um preseason so far at camp he was the most noticeable noticeable player on the ice for ottawa at all times for me when i watched the game against the devils um so i'm really excited to see what he can do and then they've got some good depth players up front and the back end is going to continue to get better they've got chikrin here for full season and shabbat obviously that pair is going to be lethal and they're going to play a ton of minutes two guys that have always played a ton of minutes in their career and then they've got sanderson and zub and then a you know an okay bottom pairing of hamannick and whoever gets on there with him i'm brandstrom hopefully is going to be the guy we we're really really waiting on him to take that final big step so uh, I really like what I see both offense and defense of this team. And then the goaltending is kind of where the question marks come up. Uh, I think we can all agree that maybe Corpusalo is overpaid, but he had a good season last year and Forsberg is a solid backup. Um, so I'm interested to see what this tandem can do this year, but I think that is where the question mark on this team is. And also if this team can stay healthy, they, they've just struggled over the last two seasons with injuries. And I think that's what's really held them back from taking a big step. And I think that this could be the year for them. And I wouldn't be shocked if they got into the fourth spot. Yeah. So my original rankings, I had Ottawa in the five spot that was having you know, like I mentioned, Tampa Bay at number four. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either if, if Ottawa squeaks into the playoffs. It's just crazy how we've said how much better they got this offseason, but we're still putting them at number five in this <clears throat> division. Yeah, it's which, the division. Which is like probably not good enough to make the playoffs because there are some good teams in the Metro as well, and there's only two wildcard spots. And if I were to guess, you know, th- this is how it happened last year that it's going to be four teams from each division in the playoffs. That's usually just sort of how it shakes out because even though your team's pretty good, you play against your own division the most. And if you lose those games, then you're not in a, in a great position to, you know, squeak into a wild card spot. So I also have Ottawa in that number five spot, maybe missing the playoffs, maybe making, but I'm not willing to put money on five teams from the Atlantic making the playoffs this year. But I just think it comes down to uh, the depth up front. You know, of course you lost to Brinkett, but getting Kubalik in return, Shane Pinto eventually when he's signed, that'll be a nice uh, little boost for them. Tarasenko to replace some of the goals lost in Debrinkit. I think it's 
it's a good forward group and they're very deep uh, a healthy norris as well is another massive thing it's a good forward group i think they're very deep they are lacking a bit of star power outside of brady kachuk and timmy stutzla who by the way tim stutzla had the quietest 90 point season last year just wanted well, to say talking about quiet seasons i think you're you're really slacking on the Giroux talk here because he was that's a star true. last season. Okay, that's true. And the thing is, I forgot for a split second that they had him, which just goes to show how deep this team is. Their top six forward group is really good. And then on the back end too, I think their defense is maybe top three in this division. I don't think that's crazy to say. I don't love their bottom pair, but in terms of the guys that they have in their top four, it, it, it's really good, and I fully expect Jake Sanderson, after signing that massive ticket, to take a bit of a step forward this year. So that'll be good for them. And between the pipes, I see it as a tandem. I've never seen Corpusalo as a starter. I think he's a tandem goalie. I don't know if he's 1A or 1B. I think they expect him to be 1A, given the money that they gave yeah. him. But I think Forsberg is just as good. His problem has been health. So that's going to be, it, it might be a good tandem, I want to say, going forward. I don't want to ever say it's going to be because it's hard to predict goalies. So Ottawa, I have comfortably in the number five spot. I know Boston fans don't want to hear that. Detroit fans don't want to hear that. Maybe even Montreal fans don't want to hear that if they're a little ahead of themselves in their own <laughs> rebuild. But uh, that's where I have the Senators. Harper, how about you? Case, you want to jump back in there for a sec? There's just one thing I wanted to touch on. I, I could have waited until you went, Harper, but three quarterbacks on this team. Yeah. That's one thing you yeah. cannot undervalue is there's three power play quarterbacks and Shabbat, Chikrin, and Sanderson. So I, it's who's going to get that job? Are they? I, I'm assuming they're going to go 2D on one of the power plays, but yeah. who's going to be the guy on each of these power plays? That's a fantasy question because yeah. I'm not I'm not touching any of those guys in fantasy, even though they're all good. I, I need a quarterback. I don't need a third of a quarterback. I need a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, and I think like eventually Sanderson is going to be the number one defenseman on this team and, and be the number one quarterback on on the on the first power play unit. Um, you know, Chikrin's got a bomb from back there and Shabbat had a, a, had a little bit of a down year, but is still a, a great defenseman who plays a ton of minutes for this team. So talking about the Senators, I've got them in the number five spot as well. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be tough to see a path where it ends up being five teams from the Atlantic and three from the Metro that end up being the eight that gets into the playoffs out of the East. But it could happen. Like this team in a couple, or sorry, this division in a couple of years, I think has a chance to be one of the, like one of, if not the best division in hockey. And so um, the, uh, the Senators definitely are exciting they were close in in their pursuit of a playoff spot down the stretch i think they finished five or six points out getting chikrin at the deadline was a huge boost obviously health is always a concern with him but when he's playing and when he's healthy uh he is a a really underrated defenseman back there so really like the look of the back end some open competition for that bottom pair and don't be surprised if tyler clevin ends up 
on that bottom pair to start the season. I know they're very high on him, and he did not look out of place when he came in and played a chunk of games late in the year. Goaltending. Corpusalo had a nice year last year. Certainly, that's a big commitment and uh, and you know big dollars for him. There's always risk with that, but he's he is a solid goaltender. I think Forsberg, obviously, brutal year for him last year. Looking forward to seeing him back healthy, but don't count out Mad Sogard either. I think that he really showed something last year. He's had a couple of good preseason games, a good one the other night against uh, the Maple Leafs, and so I wouldn't count him out as well. And as we saw with the Vegas Golden Knights, you need more than one goaltender. So uh, there's that as well. And then up front, I mean, it's just it's another year where guys like Stutzla and Kachuk and Pinto eventually, once he gets signed, a healthy Josh Norris, all these guys are a year older and they're are all locked up for a long time and then you've got guys like Ridley Gregg coming in even some depth guys like that Matthew Highmore looked good the other night in a preseason game as well so you know they they've been able to 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 find some depth to add in and everything obviously we're going to be going to some senators games this year all of us and so very excited to see what this team is going to be able to do but again you see the path this group is is young they're locked up for a long time and uh, they could certainly squeak into a wild card spot here but i've got them comfortably in that fifth spot but the, the senators are exciting no question and and i forgot to say this off the top but a good start for the Senators is absolutely crucial because they're notorious for getting off to bad starts in October, November, and then that sinks their season. And then they're playing catch up from there. So they have to get off to a good start or it could be DJ Smith's job. Hmm. That's true. I just want to say now as we move on to number six and I'm going to pick the Boston Bruins. I assume both of you have Boston at number six as well. We picked them to finish fifth in the division last year, and they had the best regular season ever recorded in the history of the NHL. That's why I said I can't wait to be proven wrong, because somehow they're going to do it. I, we had them, what, fifth last year? Is that what you said? Fifth, yeah. yeah. We had them fifth last year, and they looked a lot better than they did going into this season, so I, we'll see. But Yeah, so Case, why don't you get into it then? I'll send it to you. Yeah, I mean... I think everyone knows what's going on with this team, like losing Bergeron, although it's inevitable due to retirement and plus Krejci like that, that hurts. And now this team is a lacking the depth <laughs> at center. Um, I'll be the first to admit that Zaka looked great last year, like did. really good. And I'm happy for him because I like him as a person. So it's good to see. I just don't think he's a one C in this league. Um, not yet, at least. So the, the center core is certainly lacking. I know that a guy like Taylor Hall was overshadowed a lot last year. They're going to miss him. They're going to miss Bertuzzi. And, you know, it, it's just a lot of guys out the door this season. Uh, the D core is still a major strength on this team. Talk about, you know, one of the best in this division. I, I still think that these guys are here. You know how much I love Charlie McAvoy. And the depth is phenomenal here. Um, not much else I need to to say there like sure they lost Orlov but they didn't have him that long last year and they've they've replaced him with a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk so it's it's really filled out fine on the back end um and then goaltending like they, it's 
arguably the best in the whole league, the tandem at least. So it's interesting. We'll, we'll see if this team is going to be able to defense their way into the playoffs. And and that's really what they're going to have to do unless someone comes out of nowhere and, and has a phenomenal season. And I think, I, I hope for my fantasy season that Pasternak can continue to score at will. You know, Marshan is still there, of course, but they're missing a lot of guys heading into this season. They certainly are. And I want to be careful when I make comparisons here because, like we mentioned, there are some some rappers out there who don't love our takes on comparisons. But I compare this team, the Boston Bruins, to, I mean, now how they're currently constructed, to the New York Islanders of the Metro Division. They're a team built now from the back end out with an incredible goaltending pair tandem an incredible defense, at least top four, and then one or two studs up front, and they lack a bit of depth, but can still kind of beat you up with, with some of the players they have up front. So I think that comparison is, is, is true, and we'll see how it works for both teams this year. But I just don't think they're going to be able to score any goals, and that's sort of where the comparison comes from in the first place. So if Pasternak is able to drive a line with with him and Marshan and get 60 goals again and then they're able to get some surprise depth scoring they might be all right and they might make the playoffs but I just don't see how they're even remotely close to being the team they were last season missing those three big players up front and then of course Hathaway and Orlov who admittedly they didn't have for very long but they're still gonna be missing them I, th- I think they need to split Pasternak and Marshan up because they need both of those guys driving a line with with the supporting cast here. Like, you know, there's good support in Zaka and DeBrusque and Charlie Coyle, but I, I think that Pasternak and Marshan need to be split up to drive lines. And that was the thinking when Taylor Hall came in, right? Like that's they could put Pasternak with Hall and that could be a really good second line. I forget who was playing down the middle between those two, but point was they had the depth to do that i'm not sure they do anymore because think back to when they didn't have hall and they just played bergeron marshan and pasternak on the first line and it was the best line in hockey for like four years in a row so i don't Mm -hmm. know like you can be a good team with one good line and then just play defense on the other three you know like it's so it'll be interesting how that shakes out but one thing i wanted to say about boston is that the fact that they got 135 points last year we know that's not going to happen again to make the playoffs. It would probably have to be around the 95 point mark or so that's 20 wins on the table. And that's if they only regress to 95, that's 20 wins on the table, 40 points to be collected mostly by teams in this division. And that was actually a point brought up on the Steve Dangle podcast a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So the question is going to be who can steal those points in this division? Is it going to be Buffalo or Ottawa or Detroit or Montreal or Toronto or Tampa? You know, so it'll be really interesting. But I just thought that was crazy to mention 20 whole wins and this team could potentially still make the playoffs. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Uh... <laughs> It's, it's always dangerous, as we've learned in past years, to be hard on the Bruins because what do, what do people always say about this team? They always find a way to, to figure things out. But uh, 
But when you look at this team on, on paper, it's a lot of the things that you guys said. You know, first of all, it, it's the lack of depth down the middle and, and not having a first-line center. Um, Pavel Zaka had a, had a huge breakout year last year and and uh, and has fit in very well with this team, but he's not a first-line center, and so that obviously sticks out. And there will be some guys that will get a good opportunity. I, I think that Morgan Geeky will, will be a good player for this team but but again he's more of a uh, of a third line center and and you know is one of those guys that needs to elevate his game and, and get a better opportunity there are still a lot of great core pieces on this team the Pasternak's the Martians McAvoy and Lindholm Lindholm last year guys as we know was was in the Norris Trophy conversation early on I mean he was that good for this team and uh, and and the the goaltending you know um, Allmark he's not going to have the the insane season that he did last year at least we don't expect him to and you've got a young Jeremy Swayman behind him. That's a pretty great tandem, but uh, but it's the depth, obviously, like like you guys mentioned, and particularly with the forward group and that bottom six. And I'm really curious to see which young players are going to step up and start to contribute for this team in the bottom six in particular, the Laucos, the McLaughlins, the Fabian Lysels. Do we finally see a player like that? A.J. Greer is another guy to mention in there as well. So, um, you know, some of those questions are are the ones that I have with, with the Boston Bruins. We have them in the sixth spot. But again, it uh, you know it feels a, a little dangerous because it's Boston. It's like Pittsburgh in the Metro, right? Like you're hard on a team like that, but it feels like they they always find a way to figure things out. But it's just when you look at the improvements of teams like Buffalo and Ottawa, it, it's hard not to be a little harder on this team after such an insane season last year and what they've lost. And so Boston in the sixth spot. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's get to seven and eight, and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up and and put a bow on it. Uh, let's go to the seven spot uh, case. Yeah, first before I start talking about these two teams, I want to say that I don't think there's a bad team in this division. Agreed. I simply said, no um, lottery teams. I don't think. No, no. no like <clears throat> I, I don't think there's a bad team here. I think the next two teams just fall, you know, victim to this division and. I do have Detroit next because I think they're another team that could be a shocker and then just absolutely surprise us this year. They really needed to address the goal scoring this year. And they did that. They did exactly that in bringing in Debrinkat. And I think it was Dylan Larkin has only played with one player that's had more than 60 points in his career, and that was Bertuzzi. So having some support on his wing is going to be huge. And I mean, they brought in a lot of guys, including JT Comfer, who had a breakout season last year and I became a big fan of. Um, and there's a lot of guys that they added in the past. I think why a lot of you know pundits and, and including us um, are so sheepish on this team is they have shuffled the deck in the last two years. They brought in a ton of players two off seasons go and a ton of players this off season. So it's, it's tough to get a gauge of what, like what team this is going to be. Um, the back end is a little concerning for me. Uh, probably the real concern here. I've grown to have a lot of respect for Jake Wallman. I think he has become one of those premier defensive defensemen in the league. So putting it with Moritz is a 
fantastic pair that you're going to see a lot of this year because they're going to log a ton of minutes and then it's kind of a lot of um, the island of misfit toys really uh, on the back end when it comes to Shira and Petrie and Hole. Um, I won't count Gosses Bear in there, but maybe you can. So we'll see what what type of decor that is in the end. And then goaltending, uh, you have two guys have had some random standout seasons and then lack consistency. So if they can both be the same as they were in those big seasons then hey great tandem but that's what i'm saying is it's just this team is flip a coin for me yeah and that's the thing for me with detroit i don't feel bad putting them in the number seven spot because i feel like a lot of the players that you mentioned especially on the back end and in net that is i mean i think they thought huso was better when they signed him and i think they thought the team was better when they made some of these signings but i feel like a lot of these players actually could be good stop gaps because they still have so many young guys yeah over the next couple of years who could potentially crack this lineup and make a difference because if i look at this team that's the one thing that's missing. It's star power. You know, outside of a Larkin, you know, and a Moritz Sider, you've got your Lucas Raymond. But then after that, you know, I guess you've got your Debrinket now. But in terms of homegrown star power, that's what they lack. And I feel like they have a plethora of that still upcoming. That's why I don't feel bad about putting Detroit in the number seven spot. But with all that being said, I don't know what Iserman is doing anymore. I used to believe in this plan. But this just feels like a random assortment of players. I get adding a guy as a stopgap, waiting for a player to to eventually make the team, especially in net with with a first round pick, Sebastian Kosa. But to me, it just it feels like they almost did too much. There's too much turnover. There's too many new faces. There's a lack of identity here, which I think is never good, especially on a rebuilding team. And it almost feels like they thought they would be good by now, but then panicked a little bit, added some other players around the league to contracts that aren't exactly, you know, great contracts and and are sort of taking up space for the future instead of really, you know, focusing on maybe one player or drafting and developing players and, and just waiting another couple years. It almost feels like two rebuilds have happened here. The first one, then they panicked, and now they added a bunch of guys, and now we're starting the second one where they're waiting on, on the players they drafted last year and the year before. So I don't know. This team is structured really weirdly for me. I think they're going to be good at some point. I just don't think it's going to be this season. But that being said, I could be totally surprised because Brinkett could come in here, score 50 goals, and drag this team to to the playoffs yeah uh chad i i know exactly what what uh what you're saying i totally get what you're saying about the red wings now talking about eiserman for a second i think that it was really smart of him to recognize that at the deadline last year where you know they were kind of in the mix and and in the fight for a wild card spot he decided to sell off because he recognized that you know what we're we're just we're not quite there yet looking at our pieces and we need to continue to keep drafting and developing and i think that you know it it was good for them to have uh two first round picks again and take daniels uh danielson and sandine pelica and continue to add to that prospect pool because the main reason why this detroit team is behind buffalo and ottawa is because 
their younger players, their high picks have not taken that step that the that the younger players and the high picks have taken on the Buffaloes and the Ottawas. And so that is the concern for me. Obviously, you've got Cider and Larkin, but you know, who who is gonna be their Tim Stutzla? Who is their who's gonna be their Tage Thompson? Who's gonna be that one guy to to really take that huge step forward on this team? And that is what separates them from Buffalo and Ottawa. And I agree as well that, you know, they've they've made a lot of signings, they've given out a lot of term to these veterans. There's some risk. Andrew Kopp didn't exactly have a great season last year. JT Comfer got a big uh, got a big five year deal. At, you know, coming off a career season, who knows how how that's going to go? Justin Hall don't really understand that deal on the back end. How is Shane Goss the spare going to fit in? We know he was great in Arizona, but I mean, didn't exactly fit in that well in in Carolina and who knows how he's going to fit in 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 Detroit and so Iserman has had to add so many of these veteran players because those younger players that they expected to take spots on this roster haven't done so yet and that is the concern with this team and that's why I have them behind Buffalo and Ottawa and then and in the seventh spot. Well, and Philip Zadina is a perfect example of a player who they thought was going to be able to take a spot, but just wasn't able to. And now he's in San Jose this year. So that'll be. Yeah. yeah. I hope he fills their net, as he would say. <laughs> I hope he wins the Calder at 25. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's get to the uh, the last team in, in the uh, the eighth spot in this division, and uh, it's the Montreal Canadiens. No question about that. Case, uh, what do you got on the Habs? Again, not a bad team in this division. No. I'm just, I, I've been a little confused at times what direction they're trying to go in with some of the moves they made, but they've done a pretty good job at bringing some contracts in and, and getting some assets Um in the meantime and i think that they're starting to kind of take shape of a team where a lot of their young guys are stepping up and and getting into that top six and that bottom six is forming with the veterans so i do like what's going on in montreal despite some of the trades where you're like what why (laughs) but um yeah no and and a lot of that in the past was that it seemed like they were bringing in the same player, like a guy, a middle six guy who can score 20 goals, but they've moved on from some of them. And I'm kind of interested to see, you know, what Slavkovsky is going to be this year because there's a lot of hype around him, obviously, and, and for good reason. But it's the back end of this team that scares the living bejesus out of me. I, I don't think that there's a top pair here in in any shape and there's a lot of youth so there's a lot of guys who are gonna have to step up and, and play some big minutes for them and i'm a little concerned about that and then in the back in net um jake allen's a very serviceable goaltender but boy did sam montable look rough last night letting in a goal from half as well as another goal where he was sprawled out on his back and the guy just slid it in from the top of the circle it was it was a tough look but um yeah i don't have a ton of faith in the in the, the back end or the goaltending and that's why i have them at eight there's a lot of guys who can put the puck in and that on this team if if they really put their mind to it so 
Yeah, it almost feels like Montreal really focused on the rebuild of the forwards, but then on the back end, they're doing it a bit differently and waiting for guys to come up like Elaine Hudson. I don't know. It feels like they're at different stages in a rebuild yeah. based on their forwards and, and defensemen, if that yeah, makes any sense. Put it. No, that, yeah. that makes total sense. Okay, yeah. And, and then and then their goaltending is going to be fine. I don't think either of those guys is a goalie they want to have on their team as the main starter when the team is eventually good, but they're both fine and, and kind of like Detroit, like they're stop gaps. They're, they're, yeah. they're decent goalies and maybe they're waiting for someone else to come up. Caden Primo, if that's ever the case, I don't know. Um, maybe someone else, but yeah, Montreal, like they're, they're going to be all right. I almost picked them to finish in the seventh spot actually ahead of Detroit just because I thought Detroit's lineup was so odd but then I thought about it and and I looked at the back end on Montreal and I think they have one true NHL top four defenseman and I think that's Mike Matheson and we've talked about him in the past and and you know he quarterbacks the power play and and he, he's a, he's actually a pretty decent defenseman but mm-hmm. other than that the, it, it just so many question marks um the one thing I will say is I think they're going to be a team similar to San Jose for different reasons, who's going to be able to score a ton of goals. They're just not going to be able to keep any out of their net. So it'll be a fun year for Montreal. They could surprise people. I don't think they'll be, you know, a 68 point team. That's what they were last year. I could see them even getting like 80 points this year and being, you know, 10 or 15 out of a playoff spot. I think they're a good team, no longer a lottery team. And, uh, it's an exciting time to be a Canadians fan with all of your young players coming into this season healthy and playing together all year. So that'll mm-hmm. be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the Habs, I, I mean, they they just they're not there yet when it comes to uh, you know th- who they're stacked up against in this division. But like Case said, they're not a bad team. It, it doesn't mean that that they're a bad team. They just they need to continue to grow, take that next step forward. I think that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have done an excellent job of stacking small victories. You look at Kirby Doc getting him in there into the program and giving him that opportunity. Alex Newhook, I think, is going to fit in really well there, getting um, a, a, a new opportunity. We'll see what Slavkovsky can do. Cole Caulfield, I think a healthy full season for him could easily be a 40-goal scorer this year. Looking at the back end, to me, it's kind of similar to what they're doing in Anaheim. Like, you look at the Ducks right now on their blue line, there's not a lot there outside of Cam Fowler, but they're waiting on the Zellwakers and Drysdale to take another step. And... um, Oh, uh, Minchikov, and another guy. And, and then in Montreal, there's not a lot there outside of Mike Matheson and Caden Gooley, by the mm-hmm. way, who I think is right. very mature for his age and can already play 20-plus minutes a night. But you're waiting on the Hudsons, the Reimbachers, Jordan Harris to take another step, and the list goes on. And then it's a very young and exciting forward group. You look at that Harvey Pernard and and the way that he played down the stretch uh, for this team. And so it's another step forward. They're going to get another very good draft pick. I think um, some of us, and and I, I mean, you know, I might just be wondering this, but I can't be the only one, I don't think. We wonder about 
you know, them drafting Lane Hudson's younger brother, Cole, in, in the upcoming draft. I know that's, again, that's another one of my connection kind of things to, to bring up. But, but listen, I mean, this team is going to get another high pick. Take a step forward. Continue to build things along here. And then next year, try to try to break in and and uh and get up there with the Detroit's the Buffaloes and the Ottawa's that's the path here for Montreal but they're not there yet it's another building year and uh they're not worried about expectations they just got to go out there and play under Marty San Louis so Montreal in, in that eighth spot to to wrap things up just looking at this division in the short term the teams that we that we've talked about here like over the next three years, Toronto's not going to get that much worse. Florida's not going to get that much worse. Tampa Bay is a maybe. Kind of depends what they want to do and if Stamkos stays. So that's that could be a maybe. Boston is probably getting worse. But that being said, they could go out at the deadline and get you know a Mark Shifley. And then all of a sudden, they have a number one center and their forward group looks a bit better. But then Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit... Montreal over the next three years, they're all getting better and they're going to be trending towards playoff teams, yep. if not already. So I th- just think this division is so much fun and I love talking about it. And and this is my favorite episode of the year. So I feel like that might have been something to say as an intro, but I feel like as an outro, it works too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're slowly starting to see the the turn of the tide here in in this division and uh it's it's very exciting so no great uh great way to wrap up our our preseason division rankings and uh unless you guys have anything else to add i i think that wraps it up for for episode 183 thanks so much for listening to this one once again and uh for listening to all four of our uh preseason uh division rankings episodes Always a pleasure to deliver those to you guys. And uh, hockey is right around the corner. We're a couple of weeks away from the regular season officially getting underway. We can't wait for it. So thanks so much for listening to this one. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.